This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. We're good to go. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Dojo Live. It is uh, Wednesday, November 25th, 2020. I'm Tulio Suragusa, broadcasting from Southern California. I'm joined today by Carlos Bonson, my co-host in uh, Cornavaca, Mexico. Hi, Carlos. Welcome back. Thank you, Tulio. And Marielle Navarro from Chihuahua, Mexico. Hi, Marielle. Good to have you back as well. Hey, guys. And then, of course, let's not forget our guest. This is why we do this. We have Fermin Morales, who's broadcasting. Where are you broadcasting from, Fermin? Uh, from Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Awesome. Yes, and uh, Bo Siwade. Did I say that right? Siwade. Siwade. Forgive me. And are you also in Dallas, Bo? I'm not yes. sure he's here. Perfect. Awesome. Excellent. Excellent. So we got Texas, California, Mexico uh, representing today. It's fantastic. It's a day before Thanksgiving, everyone. This is the last show for this week and the last show, I think, for the month. Maybe not. No, we have the, the recap show on Monday. But Yeah, we got the uh, recap. But before we forget, we want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. May you be safe. And, and we want to thank you for joining us. We have another great show today. But before we go right into that, let's get to know our guests uh, who'd like to go first? Perhaps, Fairman, you can give us a little bit about yourself, and then Bo can follow. Tell us a little bit about you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to tell you a little bit about our, my personal life, I am, a, I guess I'd call myself first-generation Mexican-American. Uh, was actually born in Mexico. Um, and uh, basically, wait, Bo, can you hear me? Can you, can there's a echo, Fermin. There's an echo. Just so that, oh, that you know. So, I mean, you're good. I think Bo's a little delayed, but keep keep going. We're good. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, no problem. I, these, these are the type of things that we have to deal with with this whole COVID thing. I wish I was there with y'all and and, uh, and being able to have it in, maybe in person, right? I'd love to be able to be out maybe somewhere in Mexico City or, you know, uh, properly in Mexico, have this conversation face-to-face. <laughs> -face. Awesome. Yes. But, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, so I grew up down in uh, Brownsville, Texas. was born in Matamoros, Tamaulipas. So I, I definitely appreciate being brought on because – uh, obviously, we share that in common, right? We're all, we're all from Mexico, and uh, uh, again, uh, growing up in a multicultural family, my family's been in Texas. I'm talking about for years and years and years since, like, before the Alamo. You know, have a mixed multicultural uh, kind of a background, right? But in reality, uh, mom is from Mexico fully on my mom's side. My dad, you know, dabbled back and forth between Brownsville. He was born in Monterrey. Half of my family was born in Monterrey on my dad's side, so. Um, from there, I just bounced around a lot due to my dad's job. He's a doctor, so lived, have gotten a chance to become extremely, extremely, uh, uh, I guess, um, aware of different cultures, different uh, communities. Uh, you know, I've lived in Brownsville, Matamoros, Tijuana, San Diego, uh, Mexico City, San Antonio, Dallas, and all this thanks to my parents, right? So they've been extremely, uh, I think I've been extremely lucky. I've made some amazing friendships throughout that, which has helped. Uh, how that translates into Oyster has helped us make like this uh, extremely good network that we've been able to reach out to even today. People that I met when I was five, six, seven, eight years old, you know, with with social media being so prominent nowadays, it just makes it so so easy to reach out to these people that you might have not thought you'd had contact, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So um, from there, I uh, ended up going to med school actually in Mexico for a year. 
Uh, my dad's a doctor, my mom's a dentist. So I thought naturally I was like, oh, I want to become a doctor too, right? Um, uh, from there, I went to UTSA, studied political science, had a couple of internships, uh, ran a couple of campaigns, local uh, city campaigns there in, in San Antonio, Texas, uh, helped with their social media uh, campaigning, uh, did well in that. And uh, through the internships, I kind of found out that I didn't want to be an attorney. I didn't want to be in politics. I was like, okay, kind of got to reevaluate, took a sales job and uh, kind of started falling in love with actually uh, starting entrepreneurship, started a, a uh, another business or another company, very local within uh, the Brownsville community during that time where we uh, helped out with recycling and uh, try to implement that. Granted, uh, it's a very small, it's a smaller city, so it was a lot harder to implement and get everybody with the idea of that. I think uh, the larger cities I've noticed are usually the first ones to advance into uh, different forms of, uh, you know, of environment, environmental awareness and obviously to make them smart cities as well as I've, I'm noticing um, again. And that's what ties us all into Oyster, right? We're trying to make cities a lot smarter and help out uh, on that end. Um, so, so Herman, so Herman yeah. let's talk about that. It looks like we lost Bo, another casualty of the yeah. internet uh, dilemma, but hopefully you'll be able to get back in and we'll, we'll get an introduction right. from him. But tell us about Oyster. What is Oyster? You started going into it a little bit. Yeah. Tell us what gave birth to this idea. What do you guys do? What's your value proposition? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I appreciate the question. So primarily uh, how the idea came to be, came to be um, we were, I had just traveled to New York City and I just gotten back to Dallas. I just moved here, had taken a software sales job prior to that. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty open and, and uh uh, very sociable guy. So we were out and about and I'm trying to meet people, right? I'm out in Dallas. I'm like, well, I want to know where everybody's at. I want to know where the best places are at. I want to know, you know, where I can go to, to everybody's at Mikosina in Highland Park. <laughs> well, I, I, like I mentioned, everybody is there. I, having mumble like, talk talk Exactly. <laughs> well, if, if you're, if you're more like me, uh, I think, uh, I'm more of a mumble limousine. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm. It's it's the equivalent. It's a smaller uh, model taxi. It's a bigger one. So uh, <laughs> that, that's what does it for me. Well, because they limit you to two at Mikosina. Last time I was there, because those oh, things well, are lethal. Maybe maybe you're not holding. Maybe you're not holding your liquor well. I don't know. They never limit me to. Yeah. I don't know. I don't oh know. boy. <laughs> All right, let's get back on track. Yeah. Oyster, tell us a little Oyster, bit. Oyster. <laughs> so essentially, we uh, we thought about it. I had just gone from New York, and Bo and I started talking. We were actually with a group of friends, and I think this is. Uh, a big takeaway was that we actually started talking about it with several several friends, right? We we're like, hey, you know, it'd be a great idea if we put, you know, I just got back from New York. The taxi cabs in New York have these screens and, you know, I've, you know, I saw plays, I saw concerts through there. And I was like, there's a lot of stuff you can do during this time, uh, you know, while you're in the back of this, uh, you know, mobile, you know, in front of this mobile advertisement. And so basically I was like, well, why don't, why don't, why isn't that available inside Ubers? That's what's most prominent. Um, and uh, again, we, Bo and I got together and we started developing our first, uh, I guess it would be our, our MVP or, or our, I guess for better, for better word, um, our prototype. And we started off with, oh God, if I can tell you guys, we started off with a, just Amazon, Amazon Fire tablets. Just, we literally got videos. Thankfully we, you know, Bo and I are salesmen at heart and we just went at it. We went to every single business. You go to nine times out of 10, any business here in Dallas, but any brick and mortar business here in Dallas is going to know who Oyster is. We walk around with our t-shirts and we, we really did an amazing grassroots campaign that really helped us, you know, take it to the next level. Now, 
our value proposition developed into us getting more complex, developing, you know, and putting together better softwares and being able to understand, uh, like, like, uh, like the title implies, right? Mobility-based media. So what we're trying to do is basically um, represent or help advertise and, and kind of the Robin Hoods of the digital out-of-home industry, anything, you know, digital advertisements, um, trying to become the Robin Hoods. I think SMBs are extremely uh, misrepresented in our in this segment, right? It makes up 60% of, of uh, ad spend is done by, you know, by your local businesses. And who do you see when you're on billboards? Who do you see when you're in the back of a, you know, a taxi? You're seeing Red Bull, Starbucks, McDonald's. We know they exist. That's not, that's nothing new. Everybody knows. Everybody, nobody wants to know. You don't get to Phoenix, Arizona. You don't get to Miami and like, oh, I want to know where McDonald's is at. There's one in every corner. Who cares about where that's at? That's a reality. So we were like, this is extremely underrepresented. We want to be the guys that are going to make it, you know, affordable for small businesses, which is not, you know, a billboard will cost you up to $10,000, 20, 30 for just for a month. And we're like, that's just not a, you know, they're taking into, they're not taking into consideration. And that's what we're doing. We want to be able to, to help out, disrupt the industry, revolutionize. And through that, we found out that a lot of, a lot of people really engage with these advertisements and they do, when people are in mobility, you know, whether it be any type of transportation, they really are in a, in a mindset of being able to become a consumer, right? You're driving, where are you going? You're not going to not spend money. You either, if you're driving out somewhere, you're, you know, you're stopping by at a restaurant at some point, you're stopping by either to shop, you're shopping, you're stopping by to go see your friends, to do something. So everything is surrounded about, you know, when you're on the move, you're, you're spending money somewhere or the other. Now, it is our job as Oyster to influence people in a positive way to be able to, to look after these other local businesses that are underrepresented. Hey, this is the key. Like you said, Mikosina is a spot, right? Mikosina is a spot. Go get yourself a Mambo taxi because that's what everyone gets. And that's what we want to put in front of people. We want people to understand and feel like they're, they're not being bothered. Nobody gets bothered by, by valuable information. You get bothered by invaluable information. We think Oyster brings that to the table, in a, again, in a very underrepresented segment of the digital out-of-home industry. Nice. Well, Bo, it's good that you're back. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> we, we thought we missed you there, yeah, Bo. You know, I'm like, where did he go? No. What, I'm like, what, what's going on? And, and what, how you tied into this whole thing. <laughs> what can I say? Technical difficulties with machines. But, you know, we know, we've, we know we learn a lot. You know, as people that own a lot of screens, we know about that. Um, so, yeah. Um, glad to be here. Bo Sidrati, co-founder and CEO at Oyster. A little bit about myself. First generation Nigerian American, tech entrepreneur, 24 years old. I uh, live here in Dallas, have lived uh, here for about 13 years. Uh, prior to that, Las Vegas and born in Baltimore. So excited uh, to be on the show with you guys and tell you about all the awesome stuff that Furman and I are cultivating here in Dallas. Welcome to the show. So we have a topic for today. There's a specific theme that you guys want to cover. Uh, maybe we can introduce that. Uh, Carlos, you want to introduce the show? The topic? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Today, uh, Tulio, yeah. well, first of all, thanks to our guests for being with us. And uh, today we're going to be speaking about, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, mobility-based media, capturing audiences on the go. So we're going to be discussing or we're going to, we're going to be trying to understand how consumers engage with close proximity media. I look forward to learning what that is and advertising through mobility. So that's the topic that our guests chose for today. First question for Fermin and, and Bo, why did you choose this particular topic? Uh, why did you feel that it might be relevant for the world out there? 
I'll let Bo take it because I did speak a you know a little bit more on it. So Bo, great, go Bo. Yeah, absolutely. So we chose this topic because we're excited to, um, you know, explain the value proposition of Oyster, and we think through COVID nineteen and how it shifted uh, not only just digital out of home our industry, but uh, the entire landscape of media advertising and how brands are spending money on advertisement. Uh, we think the future will be targeting consumers on the go through close proximity. Um, and so I'm not sure Furman explained earlier, but what we do at Oysters, we, we outfit uh, rideshare vehicles, taxis with screens that display geofence media to passengers to influence them uh, where to go based on street level location of their, of their trip. And so we think it's a very exciting topic. We think it's the future. Um, if you're in a urban city in the United States, you're probably seeing a lot of screens and holograms and, and, and uh, taxis and rideshares with digital signage on top of it already. And so, uh, yeah, we're, we're just excited to be here and talk about that. So just to clarify, right. close proximity, we're talking about screens inside of a, a ride, a taxi, whether it's Uber, Lyft, it doesn't matter. It's a taxi, right? right? Screens on my shopping cart. Is that considered a close proximity screen as well? Yeah, like there's, there's, you know, there's so many variances of digital signages out, out mm -hmm. there. Uh, that's one. That's one. You may. Um, I'm not sure if you're referring to uh, the new Amazon shopping experience, or if you're. Is is that what you're referring to, or? Right. I mean, there's some shopping carts that have just a fixed billboard right by the handle, but some are outfitting them with digital displays now. Yeah. So that's the. Just to clarify, what close proximity devices we're talking about? Well, things that are that are not necessarily your phone or a tablet, but they are within your preview view, right in front of you, whether it's on a taxi uh, or or a shopping cart or what have you. Correct. Right, and and to and to and to redefine it a little bit. Um, you know, when we think of close proximity media, we think of it in the sense of I'm a brand, I'm an advertiser. I want to target my target consumer segment when they're outside of their home, but I also want to target them when they're in close proximity to my physical location. Ah, okay. So it's not about where the, the screen is. It's Correct. about local. Got it. Got it. That's why I, I wanted to clarify. Because yeah. I think, oh, meaning any device in front of me. So meaning businesses close by to where I'm seeing it on my device. Yes. Got yes. it. We and how do you guys do that? You use like geofencing. Is there any technology you've adopted to be effective with that? Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll go ahead, Bo. Uh, yeah, so we've adopted some sort of uh, geofencing and some other proprietary values on, on our end that uh, obviously uh, as we as we grow uh, larger, right, we try to um, to mitigate and keep it in-house our, our strategies and how we're really targeting outside uh, is, is, is really try to keep it in-house, right? <laughs> Did, did I lose you all? No, no, we're good. We're oh, here. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so so how so so let's just play this out, right? Mm -hmm. Um you you go after local businesses mm -hmm. in, in a particular area, let's call it Dallas Fort Worth. Let's just narrow it down to an area or Highland Park, Dallas, doesn't matter. Uh you go to those businesses and they say, Hey, look, we'd like to showcase you to consumers that are close by to you so that we can let them be aware of perhaps there's a sale going on or a special or what have you. And so you create a database or a network of these uh, advertisers, let's call them advertisers, 
And then how do you then get it in front of the consumers? It's all on these Ubers uh, and, and know those, how are you then determining the, the, who to present, how, who, how do you give priority to whom? How is the structure? How do you make that happen? Yes. So if you're, uh, so we partner with fleets and drivers independently that use services like Uber, Lyft, et cetera, executive travel. Um, so we put these screens, um, one of these in the back seat uh, in the headrest and it will display media. And that media is conditioned to play based on the time of day, based on the GPS location of the screen in the vehicle. Right. And so all of these condition factor into what that passenger is ultimately going to see. Um, of course, we can see, you know, where people are going and we can cater ads based on, you know, where we educated guests as far as where we think the route's going to go. So a lot of people, right, they like to go to hospitality based uh, places, restaurants, bars, uh, events, etc. Is there any other segmentation done? Like you just mentioned that it's like, like geolocation yeah. that gives you the advertisement. Uh, is there any other segmentation, maybe such as like age, gender, interest? I don't know. Maybe because you have access. I'm not sure if you guys have access to the to the um, to the person's profile on Uber. I'm not sure if you can see the age or something. Or how do you handle that? Yeah, so we uh, we use computer vision, and essentially we can determine roughly, um, and this is all within compliance, but we can determine roughly, you know, what gender someone might be within a certain uh, accuracy level. We can determine how long people are paying attention to ads and other valuable metrics that um, advertisers would want to see to measure how effective their campaign is in total. Great. And is this interactive or just like plain advertisement? Like we have, yeah, we have different forms of interactivity that we've been able to place, like uh, SMS, like text messaging, you sending promo codes through that, uh, QR codes, and a variety of HTML fives. Granted, through COVID, we've tried to be extremely, extremely careful with the HTMLs and actually adding interactivity where they touch. So we're trying to keep away from that in the meanwhile. Obviously, we're couple days from the vaccine so it seems here in the u.s right uh so hopefully once that rolls out we'll be able to add that and add way more value to our to our advertisers again and to our clients uh i got a quick question uh i look um i like the the your how can i say this your your motto or your slogan about building smart cities so in that context um what do you mean exactly by building smart Cities. I'm just curious. And then I have another question, but I'd like to address this one first. What do you mean exactly by building smart cities? For those yeah. who might be watching and have might not Abs have a clue. Absolutely. I do feel like uh, once you have uh, a lot of your city digitalized, right, it's going to take like multiple cities to the to the next step, right? So we uh, have potential to be able to get in, in contact with uh, with local governments, state governments, even national. So it, it starts adding another value of how people can communicate within each other, right? And how you can actually drive people to to places that, like, like I mentioned before, maybe under-segmented at that moment or underrepresented at that moment, right? So let's say a local government wants to communicate something. That's the way that I see us going into the future as well. Uh, and uh, we are leading, hopefully, some conversations uh, sometime soon with local governments here within Texas and trying to build that value. I, I do believe that as we, as I mentioned, as we move forward, 
uh, you start seeing like, I think Tesla wants to roll out uh, self-driving vehicles, right? Uh, we start rolling out uh, digital advertisement to try to understand people a lot better. I think that that data can be shared with local governments. That data that we start get, gathering can be shared in a, in a very positive light, not, not in a negative light. It's more about consumerism, right? Maybe for local businesses to start uh, you know, placing business. Hey, this is a great place to put pizza, pizza place, right? The closest pizza place to this area is this far away. We do see a lot of people, you know, interacting with our pizza advertisement within this, you know, local street. So then we can start helping consumerism, helping cities built, be built in a much, much smarter capacity than they have been before. Uh, again, uh, maybe even like start helping with, you know, tracking traffic and tracking different types of data that we're able to, to capture within our, our screen as well. Okay. Yeah. Th thank you, Fermin. And one more is, well, you seem to have a mission, which is to simplify the way brands discover the ne the ne their next customer. So what I'd like to ask you is, um, the, the, okay, let, let me put it this way. Do you have at stake at all in the content that is being handled between uh, the, 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 the companies, brands, and their customer base? So, so do you have a stake at this or or how do you go about making sure that uh, you participate in the right let's put it this way in the right uh in in a in an ethical type of content uh scenario i don't know if i explain myself but i hope i certainly hope so oh yeah you definitely do Go ahead. I'll let Bo touch. Uh, of course, I just touched on the previous. Topic. Yeah. So yeah. on the we're heavily involved on the content side. I mean, if you're going to operate a an out of home network, what you'll find very quickly is that uh, customers need your help um, kickstarting their campaign, right? So we cultivate um, all the ads on our platform. Um, mm -hmm. We film them. We produce them. Um, and that, and that's that's one of our strengths. Um, and as far as ethical standards, you know, we have you know st uh, standard guidelines as far as uh, how the content's created, and then we also want to make sure uh, certain things, uh, you know, profanity, nudity, things of that nature, religion, politics are not uh, broadcast on our network. So we're creating a fear environment for anyone that's watching um, our network. Right. Thank that's you so great. much, Bo. Fantastic. Okay, back to you, Tulio. So, um, currently, which markets are you, are you just focused in the Dallas area, or are you planning to take this nationwide? What are you? What is your your plan? Currently, we're uh, in the Dallas DFW area. Um, we're currently uh, looking to launch in Q1 for the rest of the Texas market. You know, Austin, Houston, San Antonio, um, and then opportunistically, based on that. There's a lot of you know great cities here in the United States that we envision um, are uh, oyster being, but uh, we'll keep you a little bit in suspense. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you got to go somewhere, right? I'm, yeah. I'm also curious about your expansion. Is it to continue to provide the full suite of services with the equipment, or do you foresee eventually licensing? the platform and the uh, the buyers network, the advertisers to other uh, platforms that might be providing similar at at home or out of home advertising solutions. What's yeah. your long term vision? Yeah, so with the, that's a, so that's one of our I'm glad you asked that question. Yeah, that's, so that's what makes us different um, on the front end. It's as simple as or unsophisticated as you're seeing screens and advertisement. But on the back end, so much data that we're collecting hundreds of thousands of data points and our 
part of that smart city manifesto is that you have different networks out there that you know you might own a screen in a mall somewhere and someone else may own a screen at an airport and it might make sense to the advertiser to advertise on both but there's been miscommunication so now you have all these types of demand side platforms programmatic which is a big technology in our space where customers can go to one portal and execute their campaign across multiple screens so the whole industry in short to answer yes right we are building that um you, you have to participate on on with that type of technology programmatic dsp at, at, at some form or level um but yes we imagine that uh you know in, in the future oysters technology and our know-how and our in our proprietary way of displaying media can be uh, licensed and replicated across multiple markets, not just the U.S., but internationally as well. And I was going to say, this is something that's like industry standard. This is where the future is going. And that's why I meant, in, you know, making a smart city, that's where everything gets digitalized. I mean, everything starts getting communication. So we're, as as consumers, we're being offered much more relevant and things are going to help us really in the long term. Well, but if you look at the the LumaScape ad tech space, it's so fragmented, right? And everybody's got mm -hmm. their specialty. You're either a buy side or a sell side provider, or you're an agency or a creative agency. There's, you know, there's different elements that you tie in and bring together. Usually, that's what a good agency will do, right? We'll tie in and bring together a solution for the end customer. Mm -hmm. The end customer is not always the SMB. That's the problem. So you guys are already serving a marketplace that's underserved, mm -hmm. but you're providing a few things. You're providing the the tie-in for the buys. You're providing the 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 demand through the eyeballs, and you're also providing the equipment to display the content. And you're doing the creative of the content, which is a very unique thing. So, uh, do you consider yourself a technology company, an agency? How do you see yourselves? Data. I think, I think data. <laughs> we're a data company. I think that's where we're going to lead. I think that's what's going to lead, right? As any large company, and, and we, Bo, both Bo and I are extremely ambitious. Our, our goals are not just to become media and ad, media agency or ad agency or tech company. Or we truly do believe that as everything intertwines, the the driving force of the future is definitely going to be data, right? It's going to it's the gasoline that's going to fuel all of us to understand, you know, what we're doing to a much higher level. Granted, all the other things are just adding to, to what we understand about our consumer and our segment. Absolutely. And, and echoing Furman here, uh, I, that, yes, we're definitely, I'd say we're a data company. When you look at MarTech in, in general, um, you know, in, in 2000, like just over the last nine years, 2011, I think there's just a statistic, there was maybe 140, 170, uh, mark, uh, marketing tech companies. Uh, today you have well over 7,000. And the thing is, uh, when you look at media spend, online ads, I believe, was around 120, 140 billion uh, estimate in, in spend in the US last year alone. Our industry is at eight and a half last year. And there's so much opportunity uh, with all these marketing tech platforms for our, our specific segment of media to gain more uh, market share of total media spend. But the problem is that the tools that are used, the way they're explained, the UI, the UX is way more sophisticated than the buyer. And so by us focusing on the data and we present our customers right now as we speak with 
unique data sets like route trends, insights, number of drop-offs, foot traffic, passengers, things of that nature that are sophisticated on the back end, but unsophisticated uh, as far as what the customer can see. I think that's really valuable. And I think there's an opportunity for us to work with multiple uh, tech firms in our space to um, tie in our data set with theirs, but present it to where it makes sense. Um, so the customer does not have to spend um, you know, a, a month learning a new portal or platform. They can just simply uh, spend money on a campaign and see results. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you guys have been very busy building this out. So congratulations to you. I know you're very focused in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but uh, it's always good sometimes to have a very uh, centralized area to start, own it, build it out, learn from it, and then expand in a smart way. Uh, what's the journey been like? We're up on time. What's the journey been like for you guys as entrepreneurs building this? What have you learned about yourself in this process? I've learned that, uh, well, I think I, I can speak for both of us here because I'm obviously Bo and I, I, I say Bo and I are like a marriage, I think at this point, honestly, he knows everything about me. He knows where I'm at all the time. He knows, you know, what time I'm having lunch, what time I'm about to hop in the shower. He knows everything at this point, which is funny. So I've learned, I've learned that, you know, entrepreneurship is, is like a marriage. I think, uh, it does take a lot of communication to make it work. I've learned that, uh, uh, both, I think Bo and I are extremely resilient. I, you know, going through COVID, building it out in one of the worst economic crises of, you know, history, really modern history has definitely made us want to pull our hair out a lot. But there's some days where you wake up and it's like you want to cry. And there's some days that you wake up and you're like, OK, I, I you know, I'm, I'm capable. I'm intelligent enough. I, I know I can get through this. Uh, personally, I think it's definitely driven us to be innovative, be creative and uh, definitely taking out that that extra you know how they say uh, how he's saying that video Tulio, get that extra foie outside outside of your uh your mental you know uh key there and uh, it's just bringing out the i think the best of both of us then go ahead Bo. yeah um i would say um you know as in uh you know this it's funny because this oyster kind of snowfalled you know or avalanched into what it is today and it's uh, it's definitely encouraging that uh, you know what Furman and I do inspires and motivates our peer group so much. Uh, we we definitely get that. Um, it's definitely something that uh, if you're going to do it, you have to be fully committed to it. Uh, there's definitely points where you want to give up or you're entering a new, you're first to market like us. So it's a, it's, a, it's a, people are like, what you want to do what with screens, and you have to stay focused and motivated. And COVID nineteen created a I guess, climate for us where we, what was already going to be difficult with or without, you know, a cinematic year, uh, even more difficult, but it just forces you in a corner where, you know, you're either going to continue and thrive or, or give up. And, you know, we, we, you know, we chose to continuing and going and, and we're doing great. Well, it's been great to have you both. Congratulations on all your continued success. Uh, we will, Look forward to following your journey and seeing how you expand and hopefully have you back in, in a little while later and see what kind of use cases you have to share with us. We're done for the week. I uh, want to wish you all again a happy Thanksgiving. Be safe. Enjoy your uh, time off with family. We will be back Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific to do the recap show. We will recap three shows. 
even though we had a short week, we still managed to get three shows in. So excited to do that. And we will highlight all the key points. So come back at 1 p.m. next Monday for another edition of Dojo Live. Until then, take care and stay safe. Thank you all. Tulio, don't forget to mention to before you go, don't mention that for the recap, if you're watching and you want to be one of these squares right here uh, and as a guest, just let us know through any of our many channels out there. Just leave us a note or a comment. We'll, we'll get back to you right away. Or you can simply go to the Dojo Live website and send us a note or something. And then we'll we'll make it happen because we want you, the viewer, as, as a guest right here on the show, on the recap show on Mondays. That's all I wanted to add. So thank you so much. I think thanks to our guests for being here with us today. Thank you all. If you all are ever in thank doubt, you. let us know. We'll be more than happy to, to host you all once COVID is over, granted. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you all. You have a good one. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll pick you up on that. Thanks. <laughs> happy holidays. Thank Bye -bye. you. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.